Roll up, roll up. Bids are open for Borsa Italiana. Meanwhile, Miami International Holdings have bought Minneapolis Grain Exchange. And the NASDAQ New Generation of Volatility Index will trade on CME. A massive attack on the SIBO's aging monopoly VIX. My name is Patrick L. Young. Welcome to the Bourse Business Weekly Digest. It's the Exchange Invest Weekly Podcast. News flow for summer has been absolutely crazy. And let me just add, remember, ladies and gentlemen, this podcast is a very brief reduction of the key headlines from the week in market structure, but all the analysis, all of the PLY Pith too, from the week's many events and happenings can be found in Exchange Invest's daily subscriber newsletter, the unique guide to the bourse business, sent daily to your inbox. More details at exchangeinvest.com. The European Union have been mouthing off once again. At the same time, London has maintained its grip on the European Union's financial market plumbing through the central counterparty clearinghouse system. That is, of course, zero shock if you were listening or reading Exchange Invest. My CapEx opinion piece from three years ago, the EU's Euro Clearing Plan is an act of protectionist self-harm, outlined absolutely exquisitely, in detail and accurately what was going to ultimately happen. Alas, the European Union is still bent, hell-bent, in fact, on a Pyrrhic victory trying to destroy the London Financial Centre at the expense of destroying its own funding. As we've seen, the European Union watchdogs have flagged a harsher line on cross-border fund management during Brexit. It's a depressing example of the European Union's bunker mindset. There are so many opportunities for EU27, and yet the irregulatory blob is hunkered down in pure play protectionist mode, reducing competition and de facto raising prices and removing customer choice for hard-pressed investors in EU27. The clear subtext is one I've noted before. France, Germany and other EU financial centres are disappointed that more business didn't just miraculously land at their feet post-Brexit because those financial centres didn't think through the dynamics. Now the European Union is continuing to seek to push protectionism, both in clearinghouses and particularly in the realm of funds management this week, and further gum up the already depressed European Union economy in a way which once again fundamentally affects the prosperity of its citizens. It's utterly disappointing, but then again, a fundamental thrust of why so many people supported Brexit. The European Union is embarrassing itself by being so easily typecast in its blinkered incompetence. On to happier news and results this week. Spectacular record numbers from a series of bourses. The Warsaw Stock Exchange was one earlier in the week, but the biggest numbers of the week came from the Hong Kong exchanges. What an incredible tribute to Charles Lee. They warned of a typhoon on Wednesday morning in Hong Kong, and in fact, perhaps, given the fact the actual weather pattern disappeared during the course of the morning, they were really talking about the Hong Kong exchange's results. Record profits, record revenues, and indeed vast amounts of growth in pretty much every area of the business, particularly Charles Lee's own signature through train, the Connect program between Hong Kong and mainland China. Equally, very encouraging results from B3 in Brazil. Financial growth above 30%. Even the, frankly, backwards Bucharest Stock Exchange managed to grow profits by 10% in the first half. Disappointing, but sadly unsurprising. 
In deals this week, a multitude of fundings and other issues. First of all, let's get to the biggest pricing. The Intercontinental Exchange priced $6.5 billion in senior notes. That came with a jolly booyah attached to the rating agencies who got cold feet at the Ellie Mae acquisition last week and went about inching downgrades. That was Moody's One Notch and S&P Two. Nevertheless, Intercontinental Exchange were able to fund significantly below the level at which they were actually funding just two months ago before they apparently diluted their balance sheet with this fascinating acquisition to bolster their mortgage business. Giving a quick look across the numbers, well, look at the yield curve, ladies and gentlemen. It's been murdered. And indeed, corporate lending in the United States of America is just spectacularly cheap at the moment. Three-year money, 0.7 of 1%. 12-year money, 1.85%. 20-year money, that's the full-length life cycle of the Intercontinental Exchange to date, after all, 2.65%. And then a whopping... $1.5 billion in aggregate principal amount has been priced at 3% for 40-year money. The great news is Scott Hill, the CFO's desire to fund at a target rate of 3%, looks well on target to be exceeded by at least some modest basis points, whatever may come in the interest rate future when he has to refund the short end. At the same time, it was obvious why this was taking place. S&P Global, they announced an expiration of a tender offer for any and all of their outstanding 4.4% senior notes, which were due 2037. Who on earth wants to borrow at an outrageous 4.4% when you can borrow under 2% at this moment in the Fed-addled yield curve? Deal of the week, of course. Minneapolis Grain Exchange being acquired by Miami International Holdings, the privately held stock options operator who also made an announcement this week that they have got the option to launch, thanks to regulatory approval, their stock exchange for the USA in September of this year. MGEX have finally found their handsome suitor and thus the last independent exchange-traded derivatives exchange and CCP from the mutual era in the United States of America is getting a new owner. Speaking of new owners, or at least new strategic partners, there's been a concerted effort in Bangladesh, but at least the Chittagong Stock Exchange has got another year to find their strategic partner. Meanwhile, back over at the LSE in London, apparently they've set deadlines for the Borsa Italiana and indicative bids. Series of interesting machinations going on around there. My money is on Italian interests, ultimately controlling the Bourse once again. New markets this week. The Tel Aviv Bourse, they've launched a new share market for private tech companies, allowing effectively a de facto private share market with a certain element of public participation. SEBI, they're actually calling for a one-year action plan from NCDX. Not sure that that makes a new market, but certainly could make a significant revision. And we're hearing, as the week ends, news that there's going to be a new Egyptian commodity exchange being announced this week coming as well as some, hopefully, developments in the Lagos Commodity and Futures Exchange. If you're looking for some reading during lockdown, or perhaps you're on a beach somewhere, or maybe you're in quarantine after enjoying the beach, we all know COVID-19 is a killer, but can it kill your career? I would argue that actually fintech is going to destroy your business with just as much alacrity. It's a victory or death world of risk or opportunity. That's why I want you to understand how technology is affecting life and markets by reading my new book. 20 years on from the excitement of the original fintech bestseller, The Groundbreaking Capital Market Revolution, you need to understand where the world is going and how it's going to affect your career and your business. 
Victory or Death, Blockchain, Cryptocurrency and the Fintech World is an easy read explaining the differing and diverging role of banks and exchanges and the entire financial ecosystem in a fascinating new world of digital assets. It's a binary world. Your career will sustain or collapse in the next stage of digital development, hence the title, Victory or Death. Lest you need reminding of the exciting times for finance and your career and your company in which we are living. Victory or Death is published by DV Books and is distributed by Ingram Worldwide. Meanwhile, while you're waiting for your copy of Victory or Death to arrive, check out the IBOVID live stream. We had episode 6 this week. It's every week on a Tuesday at 1800 hours London, 1300 hours New York. The IPO video live stream show also has back issues on LinkedIn, YouTube, and Facebook. Via YouTube, for example, you can find us via IPO-vid. Search for Patrick L. Young on LinkedIn and Facebook. You shouldn't have too much difficulty finding us. This week, we enjoyed a Livestream 005 with Bjorn Sibern, the president of NASDAQ in Europe. Next week, on Tuesday, the 25th of August, we have Alex Maturi, the former CEO of the world's index powerhouse, S&P Dow Jones Indexes. Interesting little snippet from Cryptoland this week. Coinbase have left the US blockchain lobbying group after the acceptance of Binance's membership. Product news this week. Exciting times in the world of volatility. For those who remember their history of volatility products, the Deutsche Terminbörse, of course, had Volax all those years ago. That was superseded by the SIBO's VIX, which has become, of course, the breathy darling of the world of financial media, particularly the live television shows such as CNBC and Bloomberg TV. Well, now a big competitor has just hit the block. In the week when the SIBO themselves saw a strong debut for their new mini VIX futures, it looks to me as if the game changer is on the street. NASDAQ VOLQ is going to be traded on the CME. Excellent news for NASDAQ's boffins who have created a next generation volatility index which ought to capture a market through CME's distribution network that needs a newer product than the venerable VIX, which helped popularize this product set where the pioneering Eurex Folex could not. It's a fascinating announcement which may cause significant concern at SIBO HQ as their cash cow futures product is actually the main reason why anybody connects to the SIBO futures exchange arm in the first place. Over in India, some collective delusion there. Once again, they are trying to push for one single commodity and one single commodity price across a diverse continental-sized nation. In Russia, the Moscow Exchange, they're joining the US trading bandwagon. US blue chips will be available for trade from August the 24th. Thanks for listening to Exchange Invest Weekly. We welcome your feedback. You can contact me directly, patrick at derivativesvision.com with any comments. Meanwhile, if you enjoyed this show, we would welcome you giving us a thumbs up. Or if you have time, a positive review will always be welcome wherever you find this podcast. Technology news this week. Facebook have created a new unit devoted to financial services. Very interesting to see. Is Libra going to become real? Meanwhile, in the parish, Digital Asset and Expiry, they've partnered to create an end-to-end exchange infrastructure as a service for modern markets to launch at speed. Very interesting to see. Expiry launched just last month. They've added LDX as their first customer, and now they have an agreement with Digital Asset in barely a month. 
Regulation news this week? Well, the German Ministry of Finance have introduced a blockchain-based securities bill. Germany might, just might, manage to move beyond paper share certificates before this century is out, ladies and gentlemen. Over in Hawaii, they are welcoming crypto exchanges back from a recent ban with a new regulatory sandbox. Twelve crypto firms have been selected to pilot their digital currency regulatory sandbox, including the US exchanges ErisX and Bitflyer. Over in crowdfunding news, one eye-watering fact. The Chinese crackdown on peer-to-peer lending has erased 99% of P2P lenders. Exchange Invest is the daily must-read by the most influential figures operating the world's best markets. We invite you to join the exclusive group of Boris Bosses and other C-suite executives who make Exchange Invest the exchange of information, their daily business intelligence guide to markets the world over. Exchange Invest is available to subscribers at $200 per user per year or currency equivalent. You can get more details at exchangeinvest.com or email me patrick at derivativesvision.com. In people news this week, well, the big news was the accession at the Toronto-Montreal Exchange of CFO and Acting Chief Executive Officer John McKenzie, who has become the new CEO of the major Canadian financial market infrastructure grouping, following on from Lou Eccleston, who left a few months ago. Elsewhere, Caroline Crenshaw and Hester Pierce were sworn in as SEC commissioners. And there's a new addition to the board of the Intercontinental Exchange. Caroline Silver, veteran investment banker in the market structure parish, has joined the ICE board and thus presumably no longer can manage to advise any other exchange groups. A very deft piece of competitive removal from the equation by ICE management. Over at the Hong Kong exchanges, they've appointed a group head of technology risk. Brian Lee has joined the company as Managing Director, Group Head of Technology Risk, reporting to Group Chief Risk Officer John Killian. Lee has a 25-year history working for the Hong Kong Monetary Authority. And thus, ladies and gentlemen, with a final note for this afternoon, very interesting in these COVID-addled times. What is a financial centre? Is it going to be somewhere far, far away from the madding crowd? Will it perhaps not be as big a city as it has been traditionally in New York or London? Certainly, what we're seeing at the moment are all manner of interesting pitches. Japan, for example, they're looking to push forward Kansai and Fukuoka as post-pandemic financial hubs. And on that mysterious and magnificent note, my name is Patrick L. Young. Thank you for listening to this, the Exchange Invest Weekly Podcast. I wish you a great week in life and markets. This show relates to the business of bourses. It is not to be construed as investment advice, nor are we making any investment recommendations. Please consult an investment advisor before you make any investments, and for goodness sake, do your due diligence and do not make investments without complying with the regulations in your home state. Exchange Invest cannot be held responsible for any investment decisions made as a result of our programme, which is for entertainment purposes only. The material herein is copyright Patrick L. Young at the date of publication, while our music and sound effects are sourced from copyright-free sources. Thanks for listening to Exchange Invest Weekly, the exchange of information.